This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and you know this podcast exists to help you get better at the craft of preaching and teaching and communication. But we always want to be the kind of people whose character leads the way. And I love that I get the privilege to kind of curate and host this kind of conversation with some of my favorite pastors, people who uh, some of you might know, some of you might not know, but people, who, uh, women and men from all walks of life who are great at their craft. But I can tell you from my experience with them that their character is leading the way. And today uh, I'm excited because I get the privilege to introduce you, and I know many of you already know him, to Pastor Jonathan Pocluda. He's out at Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. He used to be uh, kind of leading the porch at Watermark in Dallas. This, the guy has a heart for young adults, but he's a master communicator. And when you hear all of the preparation that goes into make the weekend Sunday teach looks so effortless. It's it's going to blow your mind. And it's going to be something that any one of you, whether you're a student pastor, whether you've been a pastor for 20 years, whether, whether you are just planning a church, wherever you are, you could literally put this into practice. Friends, I, I'm so excited for you to hear this. Uh, before we dive in, you know what we always do. We, we try to give you a little taste of a teach, of a message of theirs so that you can hear their sound and get ready because this is a message. It's the final installment from the seven deadly sins of suburbia from Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco. And Jonathan is preaching on indulgence. Hear this. Hey, I want to start with just a little bit of uh, trivia, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a song, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the song. And so uh, listen to this. Do you know the song? You guys know who, 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 whose song is that? Anybody know? Queen is the correct answer, thank you. There's one of you and all of you that knows that. And so do you know who recorded that song? Specifically, who sang that song, recorded it? Freddie Mercury, okay, with a hint of Queen, we know. So Freddie Mercury of Queen recorded a song, I Want It All, leading us to this question, final round. What commercial was that song featured in? Chevy was a guess. What? What'd you say? Dr. Pepper, Waco, Texas. Let's go, man. That song was in Waco. So you come to Waco, Texas, you go to the Dr. Pepper Museum, then you listen to Freddie Mercury of Queen sing I Want It All in their commercial. It was indeed in Dr. Pepper commercial, but that's not all. Watch this. T-Mobile is the leader in... I want it all. 
Get free delivery now. Grubhub, restaurants you love deliver. That's right. Not just Dr. Pepper. T-Mobile, Twix, Verizon, Circuit City, The Olympics, Q8 Oil, Grubhub, and on and on and on and on. That song has been featured in more commercials than any other song. Why? Why would a marketing company, why would some brand manager say, oh, as we, as we make this commercial, I got just the song. Let's go with Queens. I want it all. Why would they do that? Over. It's okay that Twix used it. It's okay that Circuit City used it. Oh, I'm a, I'm a phone company, Verizon, but it's okay that T-Mobile used it. We will use it over and over. Why? Why do they love that song? Because it resonates with the deepest cry of our flesh. I want it all, and I want it now. I want it all, and I want it now. Pastor Jonathan Pakluda, thank you so much for joining us on the Craft and Character Podcast. I, I really just love the way that you do introductions. I, I love the way that you teach. I mean, it's, it's so grounded in scripture. There's so much uh, that you can just, I feel like mine, whether in context, whether making it profoundly applicable to today, but this series that you've been in, The Seven Deadly Sins of Suburbia, we just kind of listened to a clip on this message around indulgence. Talk about the series and then talk about specifically this talk, what you are trying to accomplish. Well, brother, first of all, that's high praise coming from you. So thank you for your kindness and for having me on and and uh, allowing me to share. And so, yeah, a long time ago in, in the midst of learning to teach, uh, someone told me, hey, you have 30 seconds to grab their attention. And that stayed with me. So even they went a little further. They said, Hey, if you're going to introduce yourself, like move that, like move that behind whatever you're going to do to grab their attention for 30 seconds. And uh, a guy I look up to Howard Hendricks said, you know, it's a sin to bore people with the Bible. And so as we take the stage, I am trying to think through what is a, what is a relevant way to grab their attention and uh, to bring them in and then to turn their attention and affection toward the word of God. Uh, as we expound on it. Um, and so that, yeah, just talking about, I want it all, I want it now. Uh, it's a song. And so if you can ask people questions like, hey, you know, where, who, who sang that song? Oh, it's Queen. Specifically, who sang it? Oh, it's Freddie Mercury. Uh, that, that why, why has that song been featured in so many commercials, you know, from T-Mobile to Circuit City to Grubhub to Verizon to the Olympics? Uh, why why are these advertising uh, chief marketing officers saying, hey, that's the song we want to use? Because you would think they would be like, wait, but, but our competitors just use that. And I just said, because it's the cry of our hearts, right? It's, it's, it's what all of us want. And what's interesting about that, or what I found interesting about that, is, you know, Freddie Mercury never got to perform that song live because he ended up dying. We We know now his his lifestyle of indulgence ultimately caught up with him. And so that's an interesting way to start that message. And then at the end, you know, toward the end of that message, I come back to that image. And so I follow an outline, Steve, as, as I prepare, I know a lot of people do different things like manuscripting, uh, writing down different things, but I've always followed an outline. 
and the first it's image subject need preview text summary conclusion and the first thing of that outline is image and so that image is that 30 second thing or the the what you're going to start with in that first 30 seconds to grab their attention and so you kind of called it an introduction that on my outline if you were to see my preaching outline what it says in red there in all caps is image and so that's where it will it would be that that song i want it all i want it now and then we would move into the the commercial montage so so when you when you get through that 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 run of words and you just used image and did you come up with this? Is this uh, something you learned in, in college is something you just kind of picked up along the way? So preaching for me has been a journey because I went to work. I would tell you the Lord called me to vocational ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I, I thought I needed to start a nonprofit organization. And then five days later, the church called and, and essentially offered me a job. And so that a true story is crazy. Kind of this weird left turn in life. But it's not like the church, and I was barely a believer, man. Like I was like straight out of the world. I mean, I, I remember I worked. So long story short, I go to work at this church, but it's not like they hired me to preach. I mean, they hired me to set out chairs and to help with small groups. I remember I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor licensed with the state. And somebody asked me who wrote First and Second Timothy. And I said, Timothy, duh, you know, is his name's in the, in the book. And so I just didn't know the Bible at all. And, but I was honest about that. And so people would sit me down and they began to teach me and disciple me and, and help me understand the scriptures. And along that road, cause I don't like to read school. I never did well in school. And somebody said, Hey, you want to read the Bible? Like you're going to teach it. Well, that really helped me because I, it would, it would, I would sit in a text and I would think, how would I explain this text to someone else? And that helped me learn the text. Well, lo and behold, there was this ministry that gathered on, gathered on Tuesdays and I would do announcements for it. And one Tuesday, this guy said, hey, why don't you teach? And I was like, when? And he was like, tonight. And I was like, what am I going to teach? And he's like, well, what's God teaching you? And I was like, patience. And, uh, and he said, teach on that. And we outlined a message. And then the Lord just began to put these people in my life. So this is a, a long answer to say this guy showed up and said, hey, here's an outline that I've kind of learned. Well, I looked at that outline and I remembered the things that I had learned from giving presentations in the sales world because my, my background is business development in, in, the, in corporate America. And so I remembered best practices of giving presentations. And I kind of combined that with this preaching outline to come up with, you know, image, subject, need, preview, text, summary, conclusion. And so that's, that, those are the, when I sit down in a Word document, the first things I write down are image, subject, need, preview, text, summary, conclusion. And then I begin to fill in the blanks. And there's some, that's not exhaustive because I'll, you know, there's text set up. I'll always set up the text. Um, I, I almost always teach three points, not always, always, but I would say about 90% of the time. And so there's three points underneath that text, but that's, those are the first words that land on my Word document. So, so if you don't mind, I love this. I, I, and again, one the whole heart of this podcast, you know, is helping preachers get better at the craft of communication, but always ensuring that our character is leading the way. And I love when you can hear something that can be so applicable this coming Sunday, this yep. coming weekend. Yep. So obviously we got a, a sense of that image slash mm -hmm. introduction, the way that yep. you were just had that 30 seconds to grab then what's the subject? Do you mind just yeah. walking through each no, one just, of these? No, let's go. And so the image is, an image is, it can be, let's just think about this. It can be a clip 
like a movie clip, a song clip. It can be a story. I can, hey, this week, you know, we were coming from Walmart and uh, it can be a picture. It can be something, you know, I've gone up there before. Hey, does anybody know what this is? That's right. It's a water pump, you know, for my car. So you can take, you can take a prop. So that's, that's just this thing that's going to get you into the message. It's, it's something interesting that's going to grab everyone's attention. That really is going to set up your subject. Your subject answers the question today. We're talking about fill in the blank. That's your subject. Hey, today I want to talk with you about indulgence. Today I want to talk about, uh, you know, growing in our relationship with Jesus. Hey, today I want to talk about um, the, the, the centrality of the gospel. I mean, today I want to talk about John 21. The subject is to what we're talking about today. The need, image subject need, the need is why you really want to listen to me for the next 30 minutes. I am going to meet your, your felt need, the, the, the need that you walked in the room with uh, and so I've, I've got to tell you, hey, this is why I think we he- have to hear this message on indulgence. We all struggle with indulgence. You know what? We These are the things that we run to when we cope. What is it for you? Is it alcohol? Is it rest? Is it self-care? Yeah, is it, um, what is your vice? You know, is it pornography? Is it, you know, exercise? It, it, what What is the thing that you you want to indulge in? And so if I can get everybody nodding their head saying, oh man, that's me. And I really need to hear this message. I'm so glad we're talking about this right now because this is what I need most. That's your need. So image, subject, need, preview. Okay, so I almost always teach three points. Um, so my preview is just my three points. Hey, today I'm going to be in John chapter 21 and I'm going to talk about point one, point two, point three, and I'll just give it to them. I might say uh, three three lessons that we learn learn in forgiveness. So I might may give it to them in a generic way, or I may give it in, in a real specific way that um, forgiveness begins with approaching Jesus. Forgiveness begins with uh, listening to his word. Forgiveness begins with, you know, and, uh, and so that the preview is just the three points in sales. They would say, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And so the preview is, Hey, me telling you what I'm going to tell you. And I'll say this, that if if the sermon is a three-legged stool, the top of the stool is the subject, and the, the three legs are the three points that kind of hold up that subject. So really, you know, people say, oh, are you teaching a three-point message or a one-point message? Well, I have one subject, so it's really one point, but my three supporting ideas all point to that subject. You can almost think about it like the subject is in a dark room and you can't see it. And with point one, I shine a flashlight on it. And with point two, I shine another flashlight on it. And with point three, I shine another flashlight on it. So by the end of the message, that subject is in full view. Like everyone can see it clearly. Like, oh yeah, that's what we learned today. And so I'll set up the the text. You know, uh, Paul wrote this to the, the church in Galatia at this time because they were dealing with issues of circumcision. And here's what's happening in this historical context. And here's where it is on a map. That's just all to set up the text, what is what is going on in the peripheral. And then we'll dive in point one. And I'll, when I say that point, so I'll, I'll read scripture and I'll teach that scripture or I'll explain it because that's all teaching is, is explaining. I'll explain the scripture and then I'll summarize that scripture into a point. And then I'll illustrate that point with a with a story. Uh, I, may, I may throw back to my opener and then I'll go point two. Well, then I'll read a scripture again. I'll explain it, 
and then I'll summarize it into a point. So my second point today is, and then I'll illustrate that point with a story. Then I'll read a scripture. Then I'll explain the scripture. Uh, and then I will summarize it with a point. And, and so when I say scripture, 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 typically for me, that's me staying in, in a chunk of scripture. So, you know, I'll read two verses, I'll explain them, summarize them in a point, and then I'll read the next two verses, explain them, summarize them into a point, and then I'll read the next two verses. And so there's a lot of, of debate today is like, hey, is it expositional teaching or topical teaching? And, and, and I would just say I'm, I'm always teaching exegetically, meaning I'm always taking a chunk of scripture and, and staying in it with very few exceptions. So every now, like if I was teaching Proverbs, I might grab five Proverbs to support one idea, which would be a more a topical message. But the Proverbs lend themselves to that. Um, if it's a historical narrative, you know, depending on what kind of literature in the Bible it is, I think should inform the way that you teach it. But but we're always teaching the Bible. So image, subject, need, preview, text, and then summary is just your preview again. So if preview is tell them what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them in your three points, then your summary is tell them what you told them. So I really and quite literally will just repeat myself again. Hey, today. So in summary, we learned that forgiveness starts with and forgiveness, you know, leads to and forgiveness in my third point was, and in that summary, I'll just say it again. And then my conclusion is a closing image. So it's something that wraps up the entire message and hopefully drives towards an application. So the listener says, oh, this is what I need to do because of what I heard. This is what I need to do because of what I heard. And so it's image, subject, need, preview, text, summary, conclusion. And what that has done is uh, like my first um, year in preaching, it felt like I would sit in front of a blank Word document and I'm like, man, what am, what do I... <laughs> what do I do? Like, where do I start and where do I go? And what does this need to look like? That outline really gave me, you know, something to just follow every week and fill in the blank. It it really was a a huge time saver for me. And it kind of pushed me in. It gave me some creative guidelines, some creative boundaries, if you will. So I'm not reinventing the wheel every week. I love that. I mean, I I think I often will say, you know, when you have a healthy framework, it makes your life work. And I think just having that grid that when you're looking at a text, you can say, oh yeah, here's that clean image. Oh, here's the preview. Here's what I'm going to say here. You know, and I just, I, I, I love that from a, from a time standpoint, you know, does that vary from, you know, how much time you typically go through from image, subject, need, preview before you dive into the text? Or you go, hey, do that well. That's usually somewhere between eight and 12 minutes. Or man, if I'm going 12 minutes, I'm not in the text. I've gone too long. How, how Do you have a, a timestamp connected to those words? Yeah, not, not completely. And it depends on the message. Like you kind of have to play by the rules to... Um, you know, earn the ability to break the rules, if you will. Right. And so I don't think that every Sunday has to look exactly the same, but uh, it, ideally you're looking at 10, 10 minutes. So let's just say a 40 minute message. I, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of about a 10 minutes to set up, to get me to the, to the um, text, 20 minutes uh, in the text. And then, um, and then kind of 10 minutes towards, that winding down and application 
um, the summary and the conclusion. Now that that 10 might become seven. Uh, it might be 10 on the front end, five on the back end. Uh, but that's that would be a rough estimate of breakdown. So that I'm spending the majority of the time or, or half the time really just explaining the text and, um, and just kind of living in the text, if you will. What's the easiest of these for you? What's the hardest and which one do you like the most of image, subject, need, preview, text, summary, conclusion? See, I got it now. I mean, you're such a teacher. I've got it down. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, in the, in the body of Christ, there's, there's diversity and unity. And so he's given us all different kinds of gifts and, I find I'm not an introvert, so I don't like love to sit in the back room with just kind of stewing over commentaries and and reading, you know, one book after the other after the other. Like I, I love to be with people, which has informed my preparation process, which we can talk about if you'd like. But um, and then God you know, made me creative and a problem solver. And so for me. I love to think through that what exactly what we're talking about is like what's going to be that thing that that grabs their attention and really explains this text or or to say it in a different way illustrates this text so that when they trip over it this week they they're reminded of this message and their affections for Jesus are stirred so what's going to how am I going to put a rock in their shoe so that this sermon stays with them that it has legs that they that they're going to see it later on this week and as I think through problem uh, solving those problems, that's that's what gives me life. And that's not to say like there's there's somebody that heard that and say, see, there you go. He didn't. He doesn't like. It's not the Bible. You know, that's not what makes him excited. <laughs> like, no, it's all the Bible. Like, it's all explaining the Bible. That's that's what we do. That's what what we do for a living. That's what we love to do. But there's aspects of explaining the Bible that are going to be more fun for certain people. And so there's there's folks listening to us right now. They they geek out the interlinear and they're looking at the Greek word and how many times it's mentioned and you know what it what is the the tense and uh you know when when did it show up in history and the etymology and all of those things and that's awesome. Like praise God for you. And and I I have to do that too. That aspect of it is just more work for me, where you may get really stumped at the creative aspect. And the good news, as as you see the diversity in the body, is we can always bring people in the room to supplement our weaknesses. And so, if you yeah. lack the if you lack the creative energy, then in your sermon prep process, you know, start in a room with with a bunch of creatives and uh, and say, hey, man, how would y'all illustrate this? And give them a sentence and let them problem solve around that. And I think that's a a major, you know, I would say a life hack, you know, sermon prep hack. But it's also discipleship because they're getting time with you and they're learning from you. And, and so it's discipleship. That's awesome. Does, is that kind of a stand, standing meeting that you have typically? And how far out are you typically with your so teachers? Every Monday at 1 p.m., we start in a room. And so this is so we go one week at a time. Now, let, let me say in pencil, we plan the entire year out. And so these are the series we want to teach. And you know, this is loosely how we think we're going to break. And I'll, I'll kind of, I'll do something like seven dead, seven deadly sins of suburbia. And I'll do kind of two of those. And then I'll do the book of James. And then I'll do kind of two um, learning to trust God, if you will. And again, those are still exegetical messages. There's I'm still ex- teaching expositionally, uh, 
but it's it's me taking a chunk of, chunk of scripture and kind of putting a, a trendy, you know, attention grabbing headline over that series. But then we'll do the book of Philippians, the book of Ephesians, you know, the book of Galatians, or I just did Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, or or we did a series called BC, which were just all stories from the Old Testament. And so I try to go back and forth uh, from those and we'll plan out the entire year in pencil and then we'll go week by week. And so it really will be like, okay, what are we going to teach next week? If we're not in a book, I love teaching a book because it gives you an outline and you know where you're going to go next. Right. But, um, but right now I'm starting a series on, uh, un, it's on spiritual warfare called unseen battles. And so I, I know what I'm going to do this week. And then after this week, we might say, okay, well, now where do we want to go next week? And we'll just go one week at a time. And so that we have a meeting on Monday. So I teach on Sunday, right? And then come back with a meeting on Monday at 1 p.m. And and Steve, I would describe this meeting as if you've ever tried to pull start a lawnmower, you know, you're like, hmm. <laughs> like this is just, I'm just trying to get my, my head and my heart in a direction so that I can see a text through a lens and begin to see the world through the lens of that text so that I can begin to look for those illustrations and just trip over things. And, and I'm driving, you know, we all know that that sermon prep is not linear, and there's not these yeah. really clear boundaries around it that when we're sitting, you know, with our with our friends or we're eating or whatever we're doing, that we're we're working on messages and it's always kind of spinning in the back of our head. And so uh, that meeting is to kind of put that rock in my shoe, if you will. How how much time have you spent before the one p.m. meeting? Like, do you have do you come in there sometimes going, I think I want to do this. I I know it's on indulgence. Um, I feel like, man, I, I this one Queen song. Like, is it so open ended, or do you go, hey, I I pretty much know that it's this text. I got a sense for here are the three points, or are those conversations helping you really almost mine what's in you out and almost like a stand up comedian where you're getting to try some stuff on and they're like. No, that didn't work. That that's the soul of the talk. Let's build. That's the indulgence teach. We need that. How, what does it look like? Yeah, I would say most of the time it's way more open ended than what you described as open ended. So sometimes I walk into a room and say, "All right, guys, where do we think the Lord wants us to go this week?" Uh, again, teaching wow. a book, teaching a book being the exception, but with like seven deadly sins, for example, we the first week of that series we put down. Um, I think nine or 10 sins, if you will, uh, nine or 10 struggles. And we said, we're going to narrow this down, you know, week by week. And so we would, we'd start every week with that in mind. And we'd say, okay, we want to grab from, we want to grab one from these nine. Where do we think we should go next? And then the next week, okay, where do we think we should go next? So it, it, it's that 1 PM meeting on Monday. It's a blank canvas. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, again, I think that's such a beautiful, where, where does the spirit want to take it? Where does God want to take us? You know, and especially when you have like that idea of the nine up on a list and you can, it's every week, the team's seeing it. And it's almost like when you buy a new car and you see the car everywhere, it's like, you're starting to see those words and going, Oh, I got a story here. I have an illustration here. Um, Talk about the people piece. I know, I know you mentioned this with the 1 p.m. meeting, but are there other ways that you kind of work the content out and yeah. kind of practice or learn from? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, so it starts, so I start in a room with people and so everybody kind of throws in on the message and, and sometimes they'll leave there with assignments where I'll just say, Hey, can you dig into this, you know, old dead person who did an amazing work on this that, and uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'll say, Hey, can you look for articles or Hey, can you, can you dig up statistics around this to kind of set up, you know, help build that need. And uh, I, you know, I, there's no shortcut for the Bible study aspect. Like I've got to do that. So I've got to dig in the word and read the commentaries and, and really get my heart around what, what the author, the Holy spirit was saying through the author at that time to those people. And then what the eternal truth is in that text for us. And so that's, that's the work that I have to do. Uh, but then, so I write the message on, I'll start it on Wednesday and I'll finish it on Thursday by 3 PM, really by 2:30 PM, because at 3 PM on Thursday, I get in a room full of people or not full of people, but about seven people, a panel of critics. And I preach that message. And so typically, I mean, it is a, that is the finish line and I am racing, I'm sprinting toward it. And I put the last period and I send that word doc to be printed. And then everybody gets that outline and I take the stage, I mic up and everything. It's the room that I would preach in the auditorium. And I preach, I preach that message. And it's not like, I'm not talking to them in between. I don't say, Hey, and so this next point, you know, it's, like I am, I'm, I start the message, I preach the message, I finish the message, just like I would on a Sunday. And then those seven people give it a grade one to a hundred, uh, 70s passing, a hundred's the best sermon they've ever heard, you know, um, 60s failing, if you will. So they give that a grade one to a hundred and why? And then they take notes throughout that outline. Okay. And so they, they kind of say, Hey, this is the grade that I give it gave it. And this is what would make it a hundred is, is really the feedback that they give me right afterwards. And then we go page by page through it. And I take all of their notes on my outline. And so even if they're like, Hey, in point three, I just kind of, man, I fell asleep. And then I woke up here. And I don't know what you said. Then I'm just like, okay, this part must be boring. You know, let's, let's look into that. And so they give me that feedback. And then I just take that message. I set it on the shelf on Friday I'm off on Friday, you know, with the fam doing Friday Q&A or whatever. And then I take it off the shelf uh, for an hour on Saturday. I make those changes and I preach it three times on Sunday. Wow. I mean, what's so, what's so awesome is uh, I remember in high school, there was this guy, Ramsey J, and he was this track star um, at, the, at the neighboring high school. And you just go watch him and he just destroyed all of our our friends in track and both the way that he ran, he was running so fast, but it looked like he was, it was so effortless. Like he mm-hmm. just was gliding. It's, it's, it's amazing. Cause oftentimes all we see for those of us who, you know, go to Harris Creek um, or watch online, like I do from time to time, we don't see all of the Monday 1 PM. I don't yeah. see the Wednesday and the Thursday, the rush by to 2.30 p.m. to get that thing ready to be printed. I don't see the practice on Thursday, but I see the not effortlessness, but the gifting that God's given you. I see just the way that this is a part of you, but I love, love, love the intentionality that you have. And that word prepare means before you go public. Right. And, and I, I just, the work that you put in before you go public, right. um, talk about the kind of people that you have to have yeah. 
who aren't just going to give you 98 to 99s. Yeah. Um, is there, is there, are they rotating? Are they the same people? Yeah. Uh, what are they like? Yeah. I knew I loved you, man. You, you ask great questions. <laughs> and at some point we need to do a podcast about how God completely rocked my world through, through you at one point. But, uh, um, in a, in the best way, by the way, uh, I mean that. And so, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You, you do not want yes men and women around you in that process. And so people who will be honest with you first and foremost, and, and the way that you get that as a leader is when someone has the courage to say, Hey man, I thought it was a 68 because it was boring and your subject was, didn't even make sense. And you just got to stop the meeting and say, hey, look at me, John. That is so helpful. Guys, listen, does everybody just hear what John said? I mean, he is such a helpful contributor. You know what I know is true about John right now is, is he's not afraid of me. He wants to be honest. And I just, hey, John, listen, man, this week, I'd love, to, I'd love for us to go grab dinner at your favorite steak place or wherever. And just, I'm just so thank you know, and you have to really praise somebody when they when they give you honest feedback and that kind of tells everybody in the room it gives them permission if you will um and so who who else is in the room you got to think in terms of diversity and so uh i i am a man i am a middle-aged white man and so i i try to get uh diversity of age diversity of backgrounds ethnic diversity uh, and diversity of sex and so that's who you know that's who i want in the room, uh, listening and giving me feedback, if you will. Yeah, no, that's so good. I, I, you know, earlier in the, in this interview, you were talking about how teaching is explaining. And one of my favorite things about the way that you communicate. And again, there's so many different ways that you communicate that God has gifted you, whether through writing, whether through preaching, which I absolutely love, but also, you know, and you kind of just dropped this like Friday Q and a, Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'll see you and your wife just on Instagram and, and you'll just take these massive questions. And I feel like in two or three sentences, uh, either have fun with it, either mm-hmm. explain it, either mm-hmm. like it, it's, it's, I, I just think it's such a gift that you have, mm-hmm. but it, it, it actually helps your preaching. I imagine yes. with the writing, but also with the explaining, um, just talk about how you kind of stumbled into that um, because I, f- I feel like it's just such a natural kind of that yeah. relational side, that pastoral side, but that teaching side. Yeah. So uh, thank you for the, the encouragement there too. So three years ago, our family moved to Waco from Dallas and that was a major change, unforeseen change in, in our lives. And it wasn't, it wasn't something we were looking to do. It wasn't something that we, expected to do and it, it just happened and I we, I we were at a church and I, I thought I was going to die at that church and and long story short I find myself in Waco and I'm off uh, on Fridays the church is closed on Fridays that's a new rhythm for me and so in Dallas our church was not closed on Friday so if I wanted to run up there and get some work done you know I could and 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 as 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 preachers uh, or pastors a lot of times you know our week is a rotating Sabbath, at least in my case, um, and there's entire podcasts against that. But, but the rhythm that has worked for me is is one of of a revolving day off at times, and uh, and so it was just like every Friday. I mean, the the office is closed, the doors are locked, the lights are off, 
And I've kind of found myself with my kids are at school, you know, and I'm like, what am I going to do today? And so I took to Instagram and I did this thing called Friday Q&A and the Lord just blessed it. I don't know how else to say that. And so I'll get, a, I'll get 2000 questions uh, every Friday, somewhere around 2000 questions uh, that are usually from Gen Z or millennials on, you know, faith, finances, friendships, the future, sex, relationships, scripture, Bible, theology. And so I'll answer between 50 and a hundred of those questions every Friday. And so it's just, it's evolved into Friday Q and A. And so everybody sees it. So there's some criticism of it, you, you know, leadership's a commitment to being misunderstood. And so some people will say, Hey, you're giving really small answers to big questions. It's like, that's because it's a small space to type. And so I'm doing the best I can people. And, uh, and so, you know, I'll answer those questions and everybody's you, people are often like, that's so great that you do that. What a, what a, a great service. But what they don't see is it allows me to see all of the questions people are asking. And so I, wow. that, yeah. when, you're, when you're creating a need or you're building sermon series and messages, it's like you can see, you have a front row seat for all of the questions that are being asked in, in our culture. And it's been so incredibly helpful to me also just about to, to even maintain a pulse on a generation that I so passionately want to reach with Jesus and for Jesus. So it's, it's been a huge gift. I would say I've received more than I've given in doing that, but that's the backstory on Friday Q and a it's, it's incredible. And, and I, I think that's the, to be able to see the questions, a couple of thoughts on this. One is, you know, right now with what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, do, do you ever find that the world events, uh, like kind of alter the, the, the amount of questions that come in, uh, you know, if, if stuff's happening politically, stuff's happening culturally, you're like, man, a lot of those Friday Q and A's are, I got to read up on some stuff that's happening. It's making you recognize that, man, there's, there's a whole crew of people that are going to be asking questions. Or do you find that the majority of the questions are more topically and it's just, it's these deeper aches that people have, or is it kind of 50, 50, or maybe there's a whole other category that I'm missing. What, how, how would you break down the kind of what spurs the questions that come in on Fridays? Yeah. So there's questions that, that I will get every single Friday. So I could, I could tell you right now what they're going to be and they wouldn't surprise you. You know, they're just, um, they're questions that, that young adults are asking and it's things like, you know, is masturbation a sin? Um, how far is too far? Th those, you know, what about tithings? Th those kinds of things. Those, those will show up every single Friday and I'll answer them, you know, at, at some regular kind of revolving, you know, consistent basis, if you will, or inconsistent basis. And then absolutely, you know, this, this Friday, there's going to be a, a, you know, a hundred or so questions about Russia and Ukraine and, and then just different aspects of the war, uh, America's stance, uh, different, you know, the, what's the Bible say about war? Those kinds of questions will be driven by the, you know, the, the news of that day. And then also I would say a resounding yes to something else you asked there is sometimes I'll be asked like, Hey, what's your opinion on, or what do you think about this drama? And I, you know, it'll be like, you know, what do you think about, you know, the, Kim and Kanye saga. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm not, I'm not tracking. I need to go read what to see what they're, they're talking about. That happens every week. So every week, you know, somebody, if I see a question, you know, four or five times in there, 
and it's something that I don't know about, it'll drive me to just keep up with, with current events too. So all of those things are happening. What an amazing preaching hack to, to find totally. the cultural ache, the felt need that I just, I, man, and that's just, it's just genius. It's just genius. And I love seeing the answers. I love how you and your wife uh, often will do this together. And it's just, it's super, super fun to see. Um, you know, a huge part of this, this podcast is I want pastors to get better at the craft of communication. I want them to be great preachers, teachers. Um, I think it's a, it's such a privilege to open God's word to preach, but I also just want more than anything to have our character lead the way. And, you know, you, you've been leading and I love just the humility that you talked about first and second Timothy, of course, Timothy wrote it. Um, but just like you've, you've had this curiosity, this humility, we've been in settings together, uh, in Colorado a few times. And, I think I've always just, I've always just been like, man, for such a, a, a presence, um, there is such a, a humility, a vulnerability, just a, I don't know. There's just something, there's something different about you that I've always, you know, I've always just wondered, man, like how does he foster a life that is producing such great content but also just feel so dependent. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if there's just practices that you do on the regular, or maybe, maybe there's just uh, every season, something new that you focus in on, but I just, I don't know what's, what's for you, what does having your character, your integrity, what are the practices that you're putting in place to instill that that happens? Yeah, man, that's what a, what a compliment. And I mean that, and I think, I think of all the questions you you've asked, this one is the most important because, you know, let not many teach for they will incur a stricter judgment. And, you know, I, I think you could also say, let not many teach because the target on their back will be larger. The enemy, if the enemy can take out the shepherd, the sheep scatter. And so he's after us. And, I, and I'm soberly aware of that. And so I don't want to give you trite, cliche platitudes. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say two things that at a risk of, of they, they risk being that. And so one is I heard long ago, um, if your, if your output exceeds your intake, then your upkeep will be your downfall. And man, wow. that is, that is so incredibly soberly true. If your output exceeds your intake, or your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. And we see it time and time and time and time again, long list of examples here. And, um, and then the other is if dependence is the goal, weakness is the advantage. And so as I, as I think about that quote, if dependence is the goal, weakness is the advantage, that's not scripture, but the scripture would say, my grace is sufficient. Your powers made, my powers made perfect in your weakness. That's scripture. And so what I think about that, if dependence is the goal, weakness is the advantage, then I really think the things that are going to hurt me are the fact that I'm six foot seven, you know, and, and, um, have a deep voice and can be intimidating in ways. Those are things that actually can hinder the gospel. And so as John prayed, you know, I, I, I pray that I would decrease so that you would increase. Okay. 
And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer now. I'm gonna go in a really weird place <laughs> to answer your question. <laughs> and so, so with all of that as the background, I'll say this: uh, when I was in the the you know fourth grade, I went to a private small private Catholic school in, in a really small town in rural Texas. And, uh, and I, I was, I was not athletic. I was raised on a farm. Uh, and I, I just wasn't, there was just nothing cool about me. I, we were poor and I would, I would wear hand-me-downs, you know, clothes. And on this one particular day, it was lunchtime and I was behind the, 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 the uh, backstop, you know, like a baseball backstop, chain link backstop. And there's a picnic table and we would sit out there and we'd eat lunch. And there I was. And, and on this particular day, I was wearing these, these pants and people were making fun of me for, for what I wore. And, and, uh, and this is really vulnerable, man. <laughs> and so uh, it, it happened to be some like denim jeans that were too short and they had zippers on the bottom. And if you would have looked close, you would have seen denim bows on the bottom of these pants. And so they were, it turns out they were actually my sister's pants that I had gotten as, as hand-me-downs. And I was wearing those to school, which is, which is an enormous, you know, (laughs) faux pas, (laughs) don't do that. Right. And so there I am and everybody's kind of surrounding me and they're just all laughing at me. And, um, and, and so I, I think about that moment. It's a really vulnerable place to be, right. You're just, you're humiliated. You don't have any friends. And you're, you're the butt of everyone's joke. And, uh, and God is still God, man. Like he's still good mm-hmm. and he still has a plan and a purpose. And I would still see my grandmother at the time. And, and she would say, you know, how's my mighty man of God? And, um, and as I grew up, you know, I was angry and bitter and um, still scrawny, nobody. But, you know, started smoking weed and sleeping around and doing all the things that, that pagans do. And I see my grandmother and she'd say, how's my mighty man of God, you know? And, uh, and so I think just kind of looking back and seeing God's faithfulness and, and being a nobody, you know, it's like preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Uh, I think Count Zizendorf said first. And, and so it's like, that's the goal in life, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. And so today I, I get to do that, you know, wearing, you know, cool sneakers and, and, uh, and pants that don't have bows on the bottom of them, but I'll never remember. I'll never forget rather. I'll never forget. I'll never stop remembering that moment where, where all of those moments where God's enough in those moments. And, uh, and you know, the thing that's going to prevent us from finishing the race is if we start thinking we're somebody, you know, that's what made the devil, the devil. And, um, and so we got to stay close to our own depravity, man. And, and our character has to, uh, it has to be a, a much larger foundation than our competency. Uh, because if we survive on our competency, man, we're going to burn the whole church down. Wow. Wow. Man, we've never really hung out. I mean, we've been obviously at these retreats yeah. with the legend Brad Lominick and other pastors and yeah. stuff. But I mean, honestly, every time, every time I have a moment with you, I'm like, Dude, there's just so much uh, that I come away with, and yeah, likewise, um, I yeah, I just I, there's you, you've obviously written a ton, and you can if if you're not listen to JP, it's what a lot of us call him. Um, uh, his messages you, you can find it at Harris Creek, and I'm um, just amazing. But 
your your love for kind of the the next generations. I, yeah. you, you wrote a book, you know, Welcoming the Future Church. Again, these Friday Q&As, uh, your time at the porch in Dallas for so many years. Um, what's, your, what's your like gut feeling for the future of the church? I, I feel like, you know, you go on Twitter and you're like, oh, this thing's done. You know what I mean? But like, but I, I, I just get around you and I, I just feel such hope and um, belief. Uh, but, but yeah, talk about, the future church, what, what you see, especially for a lot of pastors who are all over the world who are listening and um, just any insights and then just a little bit of your heart around that. Yeah, well, to your audience, I would say if we're not reaching the future of the church, uh, if we're not reaching the future of our church, our church has no future. And that's not a prophetic yeah. word. It's not a prophetic word. It's a math problem, you know? And, and so <laughs> if, if we're not reaching the next generation, then it dies with this generation. And I've read the, I mean, I'm hopeful because I read the back of the book. Like I know God wins and every generation has, has felt like, oh, this is the worst it can ever be. And, and, uh, and so I, I, you know, as Christians, we have the greatest apologetic for optimism. We have the greatest reasons for optimism because, uh, you know, the tomb is empty. And uh, if God can bring the dead to life, then then we're never without hope. And if we understand, you know, if we believe, uh, you know, uh, have sound doctrine on eternity and heaven and, and soteriology, then, you know, we are never without hope. And I, I think this is a relay race and the baton has been passed to us. And so we have to pass it to the next generation and every church leader, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out, all right, who, who is the most important demographic to me? And a lot of times people will think, you know, well, empty nesters, because they, you know, the, 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 the blue hairs, if you will, the, the older, (laughs) because, um, because they have the deep pockets and they're retired and they're going to keep the church alive. And I was like, man, don't sleep on Gen Z because they're available and corporate America would love to exploit their gifts, and and they have they have time and energy and wit, and they know they understand what's happening in the culture, and their you know their social justice they have a social justice mindset, and so if you can call them to something bigger than themselves, like they're all in, and this is what Jesus did, by the way. Like Jesus could have grabbed anybody to change the world. Uh, but he grabbed 12 young adults. So he could have grabbed geriatrics and he could have grabbed infants and he could have grabbed toddlers. He could have grabbed adolescents. He could have grabbed anyone, but he grabbed 12 young adults and said, Hey, let's go. And, uh, and he continued to do that. And he didn't give them a small ask. The worst thing that we can do as church leaders is give people a small ask. Oh, you know, will you please just come and stand by the door for, you know, just 15 minutes and just smile and let people in. It's not a big, ask. can you just show up once a month? Like Jesus was like, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. You know, that's a big ask. And, and he's like, hey, throw down your nets and follow me. That's a big ask. Hey, well, let me, let me bury my dad first. Hey, look, you let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. Okay, well, where are we going to sleep? Foxes have holes and birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Follow me, right? No one who puts his hand to a plow and looks back, right, is worthy of me. Follow me. These are big statements Jesus made. 
And so the way that we reach the next generation is you call them to something, you awaken something in them that's bigger than themselves, and you you show them what the Spirit wants to do with their lives, that God gave them gifts for His church. And, and when they use their gifts, when you use those God-given gifts in the church, they always say, oh, I've never felt so alive. That's because they're living for the first time. And so, you know, those, that's just, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm passionate about it because I'm passionate about the bride of Christ and they are the future of the bride of Christ. And so that, those are some thoughts. Jonathan Bacluda, thank you. I mean, yeah. uh, I just, uh, again, what a gift and I love your heart. Um, He's on Instagram, J Pokluda, P-O-K-L-U-D-A. You can go to JonathanPokluda.com, listen to his talks at Harris Creek. And um, he's got some amazing books, um, mm. Outdated, Adulting, uh, Welcoming the Future of the Church. And what I love about him is, yeah, he hates that I'm talking about this. Um, but I just, I believe in his work. I believe in just, as you just saw, just like rattling off uh, both the verses, but also the challenge. Yeah, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. And when you listen to the way that he teaches, you know, it feels like from sixth graders to scholars, there is this constant invitation to come follow, not him, but come follow Jesus. And yeah. I love it. So thanks so much for being on the Crafting Character Podcast, my friend. And Thank you, brother. also, yeah. And, and just one other thing I'd say is he has a great podcast called um, Becoming Something. And there's a couple, uh, he and a couple of his friends uh, host it. It's really, really powerful. It's really, really great. And uh, give that a listen. It will really inspire you and challenge you. So my friends, thank you so much, much, man. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Well, thanks again so much for tuning in to the Crafting Character Podcast. This podcast would not happen without the help from my good friends at Preaching Today. And they they have the same ethos as Crafting Character. Uh, They want to help you. They want to inspire you. They want to encourage you. They, they, they have an amazing website. And over the last number of months, I've just found myself as a member getting more kind of inspired by the articles, by the sermons, by just the preaching hacks that are found on that website. You can literally sign up today. It's orderptnow.com com slash cc30 and they will give you 30% off. Check it out. And then also, you know that my whole hope of this podcast is to try and inspire you, but also to get you into a living room with some other incredible preachers, coaches, and mentors that can help take your preaching game to the next level through the Ascent Leader, my friend Sean Mooring and myself. And we have some amazing, amazing teammates that just this is our dream. And we've, we've just watched hundreds of people go through this. And we've got another cohort that's launching in June. Friends, Rich Velotis. I mean, that guy's winning Twitter. He's one of my favorite communicators on the planet. Uh, Mark Moore is the coach. Uh, Chris Brown, I believe, is going to be there. Myself, man, we... this. This is going to be one for the ages. We got another one kicking off in a few months later in the fall. So friends, go to theascentleader.org, sign up. And then lastly, um, I got to tell you, my friends at Food for the Hungry, they're just doing amazing, amazing work. Literally just some of the best holistic work I have ever seen from a global not-for-profit. And I, I, I am just been blown away. And as we were watching what is transpiring in the world, um, especially with Russia and Ukraine, um, it's been fun to see FH 
begin to rally and gather support for many of the Ukrainian refugees that are going into the Polish border. So if there's any way that you or your church would want to participate, we'd love to talk to you. You can go to fh.org or you could always just reach out to me personally, steve at steveryancarter.com. But my brothers and sisters, I pray, whether it's the image, subject, need, preview, text, summary, conclusion, whether it's the preparation, whether it's just inviting people to give you feedback before you go public with your teach, I'm praying that we would be the kind of people that would see weakness as the advantage, truly, that it would force us to be more dependent on the one true king. And I'm praying that every week that we finish our preach, we will always know that we're one weekend closer to finishing well. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.